Welcome everyone to Mayo Clinic Q&A. I'm Dr. Sanj Kakar. With children going back to school and managing a variety of learning modules, there are many challenges for both kids and parents. If children are going to school in person, wearing a mask and social distancing can be difficult. On the flip side, if your child is distance learning at home, there are challenges as parents try to keep kids on track. Joining us to discuss this is Mayo Clinic pediatrician, Dr. Angela Mackey. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Mackey. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about uh, a topic that I am living and breathing right now, as we were just mentioning. So Dr. Mackey, what are you seeing today uh, with your, with your uh, patients and also their parents when they come to see you? Yeah. You know, overall, I think children are doing remarkably well. You know, children are resilient and there's definitely been challenges for families, parents, caregivers, as you mentioned, and children. But everyone's kind of learning to adapt to their new normal and routines. Um, what I've seen with younger children is overall they're doing pretty well. In the beginning, we might have seen more children struggling with behaviors as their routines change from what wasn't expected. And with younger children, when anything changes from their, their routine, we tend to see something that happens with their emotions or their sleep um, or are manifesting in other ways. Um, it's been more of a struggle for children who have developmental disorders such as autism because those children really, they need the routines. They need to be able to know what to expect to really be able to thrive in their environments. But so many of the parents of these children with special developmental needs are really doing remarkable things to create incredible routines um, and supports for these children. Um, one of the things that I've seen kind of children struggling a little bit more with is having more worries and fears and anxiety, which I think all of us have experienced throughout this pandemic, right? And so it's not unexpected that children might have these, um, have fears as well. Um, in general, children um, with social anxiety are tending to do a little bit better because school tends to be a situation that provokes some of these, these social anxieties and fears. Um, and then in older children um, and more of the teenage group, I'm seeing some children, not all, but some that are struggling more with their moods. You know, they're feeling more symptoms of isolation and sadness and even a sense of loss because so many of these, these milestones that they would have um, been, you know, entitled to go through um, have been, you know, taken away from them or have been done in a di different format, such as a virtual format. And so, you know, parents are, you know, closely watching their children for signs of depression. Um, and so that's one Thing that I've seen more children present with, you know, these social networks that schools really do provide. I mean, they provide um, their emotional supports, um, their day-to-day -day routines. Um, sometimes their activities or sports or other things have all been removed or canceled or moved to a distance format. And so that's really started to affect, you know, the emotions that children have. As you say, when you turn on the TV or anything, all you hear about is, is this topic. And that can be obviously scary for the children, but also their parents. Mm -hmm. And so how do you sort of coach or or advise parents how they should interact with their children about the tv for example or their messaging to the children i'm so glad that you brought that up right so it's on in the car, right? It's on at home and stuff like that. So parents really need to be a filter for their child. They need to filter what type of media their children are being exposed to. So whether they would normally have the news on or they would normally have on maybe some type of talk radio that would be talking more about this, it's okay to switch to something else or to just turn it off. You know practice and engaging your child in conversations rather than having the media on, which is distracting. Um, and then when they have the conversations with your child about what's going on, right, you're going to have to actually make sure it's at their appropriate developmental level. 
you don't want to be bringing in a whole lot of information for a young child, which I think can be easy to do, right? Because as parents, we have so much of this information going through our own heads. So we need to filter that and make sure it's developmentally appropriate. And it's only really what they need to know for younger children. They don't need to know about all the complexities that are going on with the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, for older children, middle school and high school age, um, I would start by having conversations by asking them, you know, what questions do you have? Because they've heard a lot, right? They're probably online, they're on media, and, and they're hearing things, whether they're true, unfounded, or actually accurate. You want to start with what information do they know? Um, and then build your conversation from there about what questions they have um, and what concerns that they might have going forward and how it may affect them. So up until now, uh, it was the summer and our children were at home, but now mm -hmm. the school season has started, be that in person, mm -hmm. a hybrid model, uh, etc. So, you know, as, as parents, obviously, we have our own anxiety about our children <laughs> having education. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of the children can be a little bit younger and it, mm -hmm. it doesn't quite relate to them. What are your messages to, to the parents as they try and filter that anxiety to the children? The first thing is, you know, just having the conversation with maybe another adult if you are having anxiety um, about it or if you have concerns and fears, because all of us have concerns and fears and worries about this. That's a normal thing. And it's also, you know, to the parents, I would say it's okay to not be okay sometimes, right? That's one of the big things that I try and teach my teens at their well-child appointments is that all of us have emotions. We're not always happy. We're not always feeling great. And part of being human is that we have different emotions. So give yourself a little bit of grace in what you're feeling. If you are you know, feeling worried, you are feeling upset and whatnot. The other thing I would say to them is, um, maybe change like maybe your previous standards that you have had and your expectations. Expectations over time have changed, right? With what we would have maybe have expected from our school year or from our summer or things like that. It's okay to adjust your standards during this time and making, you know, almost having a reset um, of saying like, this is what we're expecting for today. And this is what we're expecting out of this school year. And maybe some days may be better than others. And every day is a different day. So you can press the reset button. That's what we call it in our house when we're having, you know, a rough day with emotions and whatnot. Um, my husband will push, push in the armpit and he'll say, let's press the reset button. Let's start over with our emotions for the day. And I think it's okay to do that even as an adult, if you're having a tough day, if you're feeling overwhelmed with your emotions to do that before you filter down your conversations that you're going to have with your child. So let's uh, delve into the, the type to different learning modules so children going back to school in person obviously we're entering the fall and into the winter and there's a flu season as well so what are the signs and symptoms of COVID-19? You know the signs and symptoms aren't a whole lot different than what we hear in adults so most commonly fever is what we would look for um, cough shortness of breath shortness of breath, excuse me, fatigue, muscle aches or pains, headaches is also listed as a symptom, which sometimes can be difficult if that's the only symptom presenting. Um, it's a, a very sensitive one is a change of taste or smell, um, sore throat, nasal congestion, runny nose. I mean, those are hard because in kids, as they're returning to the in-person model, like you said, so do the return of some of our common cold viruses. And so sometimes it can make it hard to discern what's this versus what's that, or sometimes even seasonal allergies as people start to struggle with, you know, their fall seasonal allergies. Um, some GI symptoms that people might have are nausea or vomiting, or actually changes in their bowel movements, experiencing things like diarrhea. No, so I was going to say, so some of those symptoms, as you said, are, are, are very vague. Mm -hmm. uh, and so as a parent, how do you know whether to send your child to school, keep them at home? Obviously, you may be working yourself. And so that's a little bit difficult to, to balance right. that as well. 
if your child is experiencing really any of these symptoms that feel different, that are different from their normal routine, different from their baseline, they're on this list, this checklist of symptoms that a lot of schools have provided to families and children as they want them to do a daily, you know, illness screen, it's, it's probably best to keep them home and call your, your local healthcare team. Um, most healthcare teams have set up triage lines where they can kind of run through the symptoms and determine, you know, what would be the next best step for your child. Can your child go back to school? You know, can your does your child need a COVID test to rule out that as a possibility? Um, or could it be something else and they need to bring your child in for an appointment, um, looking for other causes that would be different than COVID-19? In most cases, a lot of a lot of institutions across the United States are starting by ruling out COVID-19. Um, we do have good access to testing in most places now, and so testing being readily available and quick, um, quick turnaround time can help get, get children back to school. Um, the state health departments are all creating kind of return to school guidelines here in Minnesota. The Minnesota Department of Health has just come out with new return to school guidelines. And they have like, you know, a complex algorithm that can help schools, school nurses and local health departments help to, to determine when a child can go back and or do they need to stay home for, you know, a, a prolonged period of time if they do have suspected COVID or positive COVID-19 diagnosis. There are those children obviously that are at home. And right. some of that involves screen time. And as parents, we're sort of wanting to keep their screen time down, right. but yet a lot of their education is, is online. So how are you advising to balance that sort of uh, act? Screen time, as you know, is a big passion of mine of making sure that our children are, are getting to experience all the things they should be doing in their childhood. So the screen time that um, is, is part of their online learning, I would say doesn't count towards their daily like quota of, of the amount of screen time that they're allowed to do. Um, but that doesn't mean that they should be allowed to do a ton of screen time after school. Um, everything needs to be in balance. So children need to play, they need to interact with other people, they need to spend you know, time with their family, um, and they also need to sleep, they need to eat. So there's a whole bunch of different things that they need to balance in their day. And so I would still really try and keep that recreational screen time, not the school screen time, down to a manageable amount. Um, obviously during COVID-19, people are working from home. People are just trying to get through their days and survive. So have your, a little bit of grace. I know some families are, are, there's higher amounts of screen time, but make sure that your children are at least getting in those essential things. They need to move their body. They need to have unstructured free play. They need to get adequate sleep. They need to spend time with you and they need to eat. So I would balance it within that. If people want to use uh, numbers or guidelines, I'd try and keep that recreational screen time for children five and above two hours or less per day, younger children between two and five, really one hour or less per day. And those children, they, they, if they're watching screen time, they're best um, served by doing it with you. So we do recommend co-learning and reteaching what they're learning so they really understand what they're learning and really sticking to education, educational content Things from the Sesame Workshop, things from PBS Kids tend to have some, some type of educational content are usually help, uh, designed by um, educators or psychologists and things along those lines. That's some uh, tremendous and wonderful advice and thank you. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is, is your, your patients in general. Are they coming to see you yeah. for the annual uh, well checks? Are they having their vaccinations? What, what do you advise? Because we've been told now that maybe the flu vaccine should be earlier in the season than mm -hmm. later. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, thankfully, they are coming to see us in our community. My calendar is full. Um, and I think the message we want to get out to people is that it is safe to bring your child in for their routine health maintenance. And not only is it safe, it's recommended. Um, there's so many things that are done at well child appointments. We also call those health maintenance appointments. So we look at 
your child's growth. We look at their developmental um, uh, milestones. So we look at their screening and we're also doing surveillance as we go along. We're making sure their immunizations are up to date making sure that they're getting routine labs done that might be recommended at certain ages. We're going over healthy habits. Um, we're also doing really important mental health screening and emotional screening. So uh, every time a child comes in, um, especially a teenager, we are actually screening their mental health. We're, we're doing depression screens to make sure that we're catching them because teens don't come in very often. They often don't come in for their health maintenance either. Health maintenance visits and well child visits are also really important because they help connect people who may be struggling with social supports, such as housing or food or social work support things like that. But like you mentioned, influenza vaccine, that's one of the most important things that we're going to be doing this fall is making sure that your child is getting the regular immunizations. And that includes influenza. So getting your influenza vaccine starting now uh, and going forward earlier is, is recommended um, this, this uh, season, as you mentioned. Um, but as soon as it's available in your community, we'd recommend bringing your child in for their, their um, influenza vaccinations the mental well-being of uh, of our children mm -hmm. have you seen a change compared to this time last year with the covid-19 pandemic i haven't seen any research studies that have um that have confirmed that yet um but anecdotally it feels like my teens seem to be struggling a little bit more with their mood and more kind of depressive symptoms Anxiety symptoms a little bit higher at the beginning of COVID-19. I saw more, more families reaching out for supports during that time to help their child um, work through those fears. My children and my, my teens, especially that have social anxiety related to school and having to go in person are doing better if they are doing a distance learning model. For those that are returning to school, either in a hybrid model or an in-person learning model, some of those social anxieties are starting to come back. And so needing to face their fears again by, you know, speaking in front of other people, raising their hand, talking to people when that can be really, really hard and elicit a lot of big feelings inside them is something that they're, they're working through during this time. One question I wanted to get your uh, expertise on is is masking. Obviously, our children are, are wearing face masks, and you and I, growing up, we never needed to do that. <laughs> no. Do you, what what's the recommendation in terms of face masks? Should they be washing them every day, mm -hmm. once a week? What are you doing? Great question. So you wash your underwear after after one wearing, right? So you should wash your face mask the same way. So it's kind of a silly statement, but when I say it to my boys who love talking about underwear, they think it makes sense and they think it's funny. Um, so yes, children should be um, bringing um, or wearing their face mask to school. They should be bringing an extra one. Um, I recommend that you send them with a plastic container to put that clean one in and then exchange the dirty one in that one or keep one clean bag and one dirty bag for them. They're going to get it dirty. My kids are coming home with filthy masks, which is good because they're outside and they're playing and they're doing all the things that I want them to do. But you also need to exchange them out when they get dirty. One thing that a lot of schools are doing um, is sending kids with lanyards and that they can clip their face mask to during lunchtime and snack time. So they're not setting it on their desk where it may get dirty um, or could be exposed to other things. Those are some of the recommendations I would, I, I would follow with face masking. And then also making sure that your face masks fit. So kids are going to be constantly adjusting their face mask and playing with it if it doesn't fit well. And if they're adjusting their face mask, they're touching their eyes. And that's one of the things we tell them not to do because we don't want people to be touching their nose and their eyes because that's one way COVID-19 can be transmitted. So making sure that it's snug over their nose and underneath their chin and is not pulling behind their ears too much. It should be secure, but not pulling too much that it's going to cause pain. And so finding a face mask that fits them well is going to be really key or getting some type of adjuster can be really helpful in making sure that you do have a nice tight seal. You make a, a point about wearing the face mask inside of school. What about when they're in the playground? Uh, what, do, what are you recommending there? 
You know, um, in, in our in Rochester Public Schools, the kids are wearing their mask on, outside. And it's because kids don't really understand social distancing as well, you know, and it's really easy in the moment when you're playing tag um, to forget your social boundaries of six feet. You know, my kids are pretty good about understanding what that distance looks like, but when you're having fun, all that goes out the window. And so unless you can absolutely maintain that, that distance, we would recommend keeping their masks on. My kids do really well with their masks. They've gone on 10 mile bike rides with their masks on and they've done excellent. And so it's all about getting your child used to it and, and really having a positive attitude when it comes to masking. If you don't wanna wear your mask and you're talking in a negative kind of tone about it to your child, they're going to pick up on that too. And so if you can present it in a positive manner and it's just something we do and it's the role that we're all playing to keep ourselves healthy and to keep themselves healthy and to keep everyone else around them healthy, they're going to want to fill that role and they're going to want to feel important like they're doing a great job. And so use, use positive tones and positive language when you're talking about masking. Our thanks to Mayo Clinic pediatrician, Dr. Angela Mackey. Thanks for being with us today. Mayo Clinic Q&A is a production of the Mayo Clinic News Network and is available wherever you get and subscribe to your favorite podcasts. To see a list of all Mayo Clinic podcasts, visit newsnetwork.mayoclinic.org. Then click on podcasts. Thanks for listening and be well. We hope you'll offer a review of this and other episodes when the option is available. Comments and questions can also be sent to Mayo Clinic News Network at mayo.edu.